Welcome to the To Read List. I'm Bailey, and this is a podcast where I attempt to get through the 124 unread books on my shelf. With me, as always, is my friend Toby. Hey. My brother Andrew. Hey. And my husband owns the sound recordist. Hey. Guys, why are you being weird? How dare you? Stop being How weird. How dare you? I try and do a friendly, welcoming hello, and the vibe has been mocked. And Okay, great. We're all doing friendly, welcoming hellos. Guys, are you AI? You have to tell me if you're AI. No, I don't. Uh, good to talk to everybody. I am excited because tomorrow I'm going to get on a plane and I'm going to see you, Andrew, going to the East Coast to Woodstock. Ooh. Woo! Party, party. Maggie has been asking me why Woodstock, so I have to come up with an answer um, on that one, but I'm excited. Wait, why Woodstock in comparison to what? That's that's the whole sentence, why Woodstock. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Um, but I'm trying to decide how many books to pack. I know that we've been through this before, but I have to consider also like paperback versus hardcover because those are different weights and different space dimensions. Well, I truly don't know this time. Do you mean for yourself or for Maggie? Ooh. Because I know recently you've been intaking a lot of books for Maggie. What is it, 90 a week or something? Insane? Or 90 at a time? Yes, but those are library books. Are you allowed to take those over state lines? Then it turns into a federal crime. <laughs> I had not planned on <laughs> taking the library books. Um, for both me and Maggie. And Maggie, it's a whole thing where it's like, you want to get bang for your buck. You want to get like an anthology that has a lot of stories in it, but those are big and heavy. Mm. It's all these considerations. And I'm doing fine, and I don't know why you ask. <laughs> I have a tip for you. If you have a library book and you want to take it out of state, you just walk around the gigantic magnetic gate that uh, surrounds every state. You go around that and then the alarm won't go. I thought you were going to say you should rub a magnet on the spine of the book like they used to do at, at CD stores so you could shoplift, oh, which I've never done, by one. the way. I just watched the movie Empire Records. Oh. You wouldn't steal a library book. I would never. Um, how are you guys? Anything exciting coming up for you this week? Uh, tomorrow, my sister's getting on a plane and coming to Woodstock. <laughs> cool. No, yeah, no, that's the main thing. We're, we're getting ready here. I'm recording in the room you'll be staying in, Bailey, so I am going to stink it up. Yeah, my, my room's come pre-stunkified, so there's not much going on up here. Hanging out, reading, that's it. Do you get any shame, anybody? No. That was suspicious, Toby, but sure. Uh, I didn't get any new shame. No, I'm, it's been a while since we've recorded, but I still, I somehow think I've stayed strong and not bought any books. Good job. Bailey? Uh, no, I've been good. I haven't gotten anything. Um, is that true? Yes, there, I did go. <laughs> the reason why I said that is because I'm a monster and because I just went to um, Lizzie Ives' um, book launch, which was at a bookstore, Village Well Books Ooh. in Culver City. You know, I, thank you guys for listening to our episode last week on Fat Witch Summer, but I was excited to go to this event. And, you know, when you go to an event, you want to buy something. So I did buy something, but it was a <laughs> book for Maggie and for her birthday and a puzzle. So, you know, the puzzle was okay. the world of Virginia Woolf. So pretty cool. That counts as a book? Nah. <laughs> yeah, that puzzle counts as a book for sure. It was not for a r lack of trying because there were several titles I looked to see if they had and they didn't have it. So, you know, mm, okay. technically shame free. So your dealer was out. So you have no shame. Got it. Um, <laughs> well, I will say I paused when you asked about shame because it's not shame. I got it from the library, um, but I will pop in with a heavy Toby recommendation. Is that a thing? No. Yeah, yeah, do we sure. have a theme, do we have a theme song for that? Is it the whale? Toby no, that's just a good job, recommendations. Toby. <laughs> yes. okay, great. Our lore is getting more complicated with every episode. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm I'm only like a third of the way through it, and I know I am very late to the party on this one. But holy moly, Jade City by Fonda Lee, pick it up yesterday. I can't do that. I am not a time walker. <laughs> <laughs> You must. Um, okay, quick pitch. It is a fantasy Japan sometime in like the 60s or 70s. And the difference is, is that Jade gives you like magic superpowers. And, you know, these two kind of mafioso Yakuza type families must decide the fate of the nation and the fate of Jade. And it's dramatic and it's exciting and there's fighting and it is an exciting fun romp i heavily heavily recommend it okay and i saw you read yeah. fleischman is in trouble too how depressing was that on a scale of one to very depressing oh boy very depressing <laughs> is, is that fleischman in trouble yeah that fleischman that fleischman in real trouble and the fun fact guys his first name is toby Oh, yeah. So heard a whole book about how miserable this guy, Toby, how miserable his life was. And I was like, okay, great, great. (laughs) Um, But I will say I felt very seen. Um, A lot of Tobys in pop culture, their real name is Tobias. Mm -hmm. This guy, he's got my real name, Tobin. (gasps) So repping it out there. Yes. You are the only Tobin I know. Yeah, same. Well, now you know Tobin Fleischman. There you go. Jesse Eisenberg. And Andrew, I have to throw it to you. Um, The other day you were um, roasting me by, quote, testing out the new printer, which was just testing out a picture of me being behind on my Goodreads goal and (laughs) picking Mm -hmm. a picture of what you printed out. how are I do you? think that needs a little more context. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I genuinely was setting up a new printer at an office for a company I work for. I decided as a joke to screenshot Bailey's Goodreads because that thing comes in as like a white base but has some color in it. So it's a good thing to print without wasting a lot of ink. <laughs> and so <laughs> I decided then to uh, roast Bailey by printing it both 8.5 by 11 and 11 by 17. <laughs> Um, so this transitions to Andrew, have you read extra books? Are you going to shame us even more with your astounding reading ability? Yeah, I'm 30 books ahead of schedule. I've read 49 <laughs> books. This was actually a pretty light one. I caught up on uh, Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead, which I really, really liked. Oh, I thought that was a real strong one. I also read The Hike by Drew Margary. Mm. Hey. Oh, yeah. I'm a crab. Uh, yeah, big old crab energy. Um, and I read, of course, um, The Seven Husbands of Victor, not Victor Hugo, of <laughs> Evelyn Hugo. <laughs> that would be an interesting book. <laughs> Jillian's been joking that Evelyn Hugo is Victor Hugo's cousin as I've been reading this, and it has seeped into my subconscious. <laughs> um, and yeah, so that's only three, uh, but it keeps me above my clip. And I'm also like two thirds of the way into The Last Graduate. So it's not mm-hmm. gonna stop. Dang. My goal next week will be to throw all your books out the window. And we'll have to break <laughs> my phone and headphones too if I decide to read audiobooks. <laughs> but wait, Bailey, how far behind are you? Still four books behind? I'm, yeah, I remain four. Five now? No, just Six. four books. Four Seven? books behind. Mm. How dare you? Ten? <laughs> but I'm about to go on vacation and I'm going to bring some breezy paperbacks with me. We'll see what the choosing has to say about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Come through for us, Dylan. This bit is too good. We can't let it go yet. Speaking of come through for us, Andrew, come through for us. Did you read a book this week and review it? Please come through for us. Tell us about it. Come through. I mean, I did already reveal that I did read The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. You really had to work on that, didn't you? Indeed, that I read. 
<laughs> it's a hard title to say I'm learning and I'm it really is, excited yeah. to now review it for 15 minutes. <laughs> um, so yes, I read The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reed and three names on the author. Come on. Mm. Husband, 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 husband. Um, so this is our second, uh, yeah, TJR, Taylor Jenkins Reed, <laughs> joint on the podcast. We covered mm-hmm. um, Daisy Jones and the Six, like, pretty early on during, like, lockdown. I remember it was one of the books we did where we all read it and, like, pre-selected it. I yeah. think we even, like, voted on it. Did we have a, we have, do we have a Pedro vote? Yeah, we had, a, like we had a to read list book club for a few months there in the darkest times of the pandemic. And I think that was, if not our first choice, the second choice. Yeah, we did like that in, in Circe, I think. Yeah. Fun fact, um, the tiny announcement episode where we announced the to read list book club is by far our least downloaded episode. Yay! <laughs> That's fair. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. Um, so I was eager to jump into another TJR joint, um, having liked Daisy Jones and the Six a lot. So here's a little log line to get you set up for this foray into the Readerverse. Um, <laughs> in Taylor Jenkins Reid's novel, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, Hollywood glamour is juxtaposed with practical calculation. Framed by a contemporary interview with darling of Golden Age Hollywood Evelyn Hugo, the novel deals with themes of expectation, power, and how love is not ever uncomplicated, especially when the you you are and the you the world thinks you are don't necessarily align. Mm. So, Bailey, yes, this book was also on your list and you read it, right? That is correct. I read it also for this podcast. I did it. It sounds like I'm lying, but I'm not. I did read it. I was not <laughs> suspicious until you said it that way. <laughs> and Toby, you haven't read this book, have you? Yes, I have. I read it, oh, I'd say like more than two years ago now. So uh, memories are faint, but I it made an impression. So I'm interested to hear what you think about it. That's like three husbands ago. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> All right. So um, to give a little more context about sort of how the book works, um, our main character, surprisingly enough, is not Evelyn Hugo, um, but... <gasps> Monique. Uh, she has a first, middle, and last name, but I can only remember her first name as being Monique right now. <laughs> uh, Monique is actually her middle name, though, so credit to me for remembering that. Uh, our main character is Monique. She is a writer at uh, a sort of junior level writer at a magazine called Vivant, which is, I think, sort of like a Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, Vanity Fair, L, Vanity Fair equivalent. Yeah, maybe a little fancier than L. Okay, um, geez, single mine out. <laughs> well, Bailey's was a good example. <laughs> Boy's life. Two steps above good housekeeping. Highlights. Uh, <laughs> yes. So like a, a fashion slash lifestyle magazine that has a lot of sort of clout. Like Boy's Life. Like Boy's Life, exactly. (laughs) And uh, she's a junior level writer trying to crack through. She used to write like more hard hitting journalism pieces, but isn't really satisfied with the work she's being asked to do so far. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, she gets called into an office by her boss and told that Evelyn Hugo, mega star of the golden age of Hollywood, wants her and only her to do an interview for her magazine because she's selling a bunch of her gowns at like Christie's. So all of a sudden, sort of like fish out of water, uh, Monique is in this fancy Park View Upper East Side apartment with a very, very famous person. And she's told that actually she's been picked not just to do a small little puff piece about an auction with Evelyn Hugo, but Evelyn Hugo specifically wants to give her sole access to writing her memoir for her and take all the profits and all the advance for herself. Memoir. 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 So that's our setup. 
why exactly she wants her? Hey, that's part of the book. <laughs> what happens in her life? That's part of the book. How many husbands did Evelyn Hugo have? Seven. That's in the title. <laughs> I mean, it's a book that has twists and turns. So you don't want to reveal too much, um, but that is mm-hmm. well presented. Or does it have twists and turns? Ooh. Oh, one other thing. Monique is going through a divorce. She's in her mid thirties um, and it's like very, very fresh. So that's sort of juxtaposed with, you know, a woman who's had seven marriages. Mm hmm. One last thing before I get into my elves and orcs, a little piece of context. After the initial like setup chapters, the format is all sort of the interviews of Evelyn Hugo and Monique sort of falls out of that, except for like some brief instances where she comes back in. It's a lot delivered more like just Evelyn as a main character detailing what happened with some more instances of the contemporary interview coming back in. Mm -hmm. There are also little like newspaper clippings that are presented Mm -hmm. um, as like a form break of like, you know, Hollywood gossip columns from back in the day. With all that said, with you primed and ready, Pejos, to hear Orcs and Elves, let's just jump into Middle Earth. (laughs) Um, So I'll start with some elves. It's incredibly easy and quick to read. And I don't mean this as a dig, like easy and quick, I feel like can sound a little pejorative, but it's not like it just flowed really quickly. I, I like devoured the book. Um, I think the framing device helps this because the book is paced in a way where there's a lot of like different little things. And so it's really easy to like say, oh, I got to read another chapter. Oh yeah, I have time to read another, you know, five page chapter or newspaper article. It's always a major, you know, thing in the elf column if it is an easy quick book to read that doesn't feel like a chore in any way. Put a quill stroke in the elf column, Pejos. <laughs> I also think the structure of having like the seven husbands, sometimes, like you said, I'd be like, I can do one more husband. <laughs> <laughs> just just one more husband before bed, and then I swear. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, that's one of the thing. It's in, as you might imagine, after those initial chapters, seven sections that are each like titled, for example, poor something, this husband's name, gullible, this husband's name, things like that. Mm-hmm. And another thing in the elf column, Hollywood intrigue's always fun. Yeah. <laughs> we love Goss here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, there was a time where I like devoured every episode of You Must Remember This and like stories about old Hollywood. So like it, it aligns with my otherwise interest in this subject. So always cool when when that lines up. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there was a way you could do this book and just have it be Evelyn Hugo's story. It would be a perfectly fine book that way. But adding in the framing device, I actually think really helped because you saw sort of the ramifications of the decisions Evelyn Hugo made. You saw like where all the characters ended up in real time. And you were always looking at the past with like the critical eye of the future. It wasn't like a rosy hindsight thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Framing devices don't always land perfectly. And I thought this one did. I totally agree. And I think she uses it just as effectively as she does with Daisy Jones and the Six, where it's like both of these storytelling formats have inherent drama and expectations to them. So, you know, we're charting a band's life and we kind of know what that might look like. And that adds energy to Daisy Jones and the Six. And then, you know, you title your book, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. You know, husband number one is going nowhere. (laughs) How's this going to crash? burn and it's fun and because evelyn hugo is the one to like call the shots and ask for this interview she has like no holds barred like there's no element of like is she lying Mm -hmm. i'm aware that i'm sort of not talking about a lot of what happens during the book but i am intentionally not because a lot of it is sort of the the fun in this book is having it sort of reveal and build on itself so i don't want to get into too Mm -hmm. much of like the themes that come up during this. That's where I'll leave my elves. I feel like I've undersold my elves a little bit. Those are good elves. Those are not Mm -hmm. nasty little guys. 
But I, <laughs> I do have one nasty little guy, an orc to throw into the mix, which is that I didn't love, and this is not really giving a spoiler, but um, I didn't love that there was like the sort of Damocles hanging over the book where like early on our narrator... Uh, Monique is like, but then something later will happen that makes me feel differently. And Mm -hmm. I feel okay saying this because it's said like several times throughout. And the reason I had a problem with that is, A, I just don't think you needed it. I think you could have written the text exactly as the same without those hints. And it would have like been just as impactful when, you know, the other shoe drops, as it were. And beyond that, I wasn't like reading for a twist. I like was sort of expecting there to be twisty, turny things, but because she had hinted at it, I guessed what it was pretty quick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and again, had she just not had that hint in, I don't think I would have, or at least I wouldn't have like definitely gotten it. <laughs> I 100% agree. It would be like this normal chapter ending and then last sentence, and then I ruined everything. And I'm like, what? Why are we going here? <laughs> Evelyn. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, and so that was like my one orc, and it was specific to one sort of major twist in the book that it's not a spoiler because it's hinted at very early. Um, And I won't tell you what the twist is, but you know what? I think pages as a bunch of astute readers, I think you might guess it. And so that's sort of the broad strokes of my review. I don't want to say too much more. I'm really curious to hear what Bailey and Toby say. Do you want me to save my stars for at the end? Do you want to throw it in? We've all locked in our stars on our Goodreads, so it's not like we're going to change them based on this. But how do you want to do this? Share your stars. Don't be a coward. I'm not a coward. I didn't know if you wanted to do it all at the same at the end as like camaraderie, so you absolute chotch. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you guys are so trip canceled to Woodstock, right? <laughs> yeah. Why yes. Woodstock? So for me, I, I think that that like overarching thing was enough of like a, a crack in the sort of the foundation of the book for me to drop it down away from a five. So I gave it four, but I would hardly recommend this book to other folks. I really enjoyed it. And in particular, I think it's a great sort of summer book. Get on a beach chair, read this book real quick. Come on, <laughs> I'll jump in before I think Bailey has uh, an interesting opinion, I'm sure. I read this book a while ago, so my memory is a little hazy, as it is at all times. First of all, I know I really enjoyed it, but then there are just some reading experiences where you're just open. Like, I think I, I read this audiobook when I was on the two long car journeys by myself, and it was just, I sunk into it. I love the old Hollywood gossip aspect. I love the twists and turns. As I mentioned earlier, I was not able to guess many of them that maybe Andrew and Bailey found more obvious. It was just a delight to me. I think I agree with Andrew's um, orklet, uh, but it wasn't enough for me to take it away from five stars. So five stars, yo. I think I liked it better than Daisy Jones and the Six, which I really Ooh. liked. Uh, I gave it three stars. <gasps> oh. Uh, <laughs> I will say um, I agree with Andrew's orcs. Um, I think two things happened. Number one, I read this book, you know, last week when it had been talked up to me for years. So I had really high expectations. Mm. And I think that that never helps. And the second being I am, you know, I will say I'm very good at guessing twists. And this one (laughs) to me, the twists were obvious from the very beginning to the point where I kept thinking, I've read this book before. I, I think I've read this before. <laughs> and like I double checked like three times. Have I read this before? And I had not read it before, but I, I kind of knew where it was going. So ultimately, it just didn't wow me in the way it's wowed so many people. And I know people love this book, but it's just it's just a solid three for me. Dang. Wow. Well, I was expecting you to call well, me dumb for liking it. So I'm, I'm happy that that's not the case. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I didn't hate it. I was just like, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Well, runs the gamut, Pedro's. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, 
Andrew, you know, you are the one that counts. So that means four stars. So, yeah. Toby, do you have any facts about TJR? I know that we've covered her before. Yes, that's true. Um, but I have more facts about good old TJR. So you better tailor Jenkin your read. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Dylan. Okay. So good old TJR, Taylor Jenkins Reed. She's an American author, most known for her novels, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, Daisy Jones and the Six, One True Loves, and Malibu Rising, although there are others. We're going to jump ahead to when she graduated from Emerson College in Boston. She majored in media studies. Um, for a pretty short period after she graduated, she moved to Los Angeles and worked as a catering assistant. But then she signed with her first literary agent at the age of 24. So she Ooh. was off to the races. Dang. Wow. What catering company has that pipeline? And how do I sign up? <laughs> I'm skilled. I'm a skilled yeah, caterer seriously. and I'd like to have a literary agent. So her first book, One True Loves, was published in 2016. But exciting news. Uh, the film adaptation is going to be released in this year, 2023. So one of many adaptations of her work. Is it starring me um, or someone else? But Jessica Chastain's not in it. <laughs> No, no. They, apparently, people have been coming up to her after like Broadway shows, asking her if she's going to be in the movie, and she keeps explaining. They fan casted her as what's her name, the redhead, not Evelyn, the other one. Celia St. James. Oh, Celia. Oh. And she responded via Twitter, great, send me a script. And then people started coming up to her with books, and she's like, I'm not doing that movie. Oh, okay, interesting. From then on, she has more or less published a book a year, uh, which is pretty impressive, especially considering how successful those books have been. The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo came out in 2017, that is one year later, to commercial and critical success. Um, in 2019, she came out with Daisy Jones and the Six, which we've already covered. And then she had some other work here and there. And then she has published Carrie Soto is Back in 2022. It's one of her latest. Um, it is the fourth and presumed final book of her famous women quartet, um, which I didn't know was a thing. But apparently the quartet is The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, Daisy Jones and the Six, Malibu Rising, and Carrie Soto is Back. Bailey, did you read Malibu Rising? That one is on my to-read list. I have not read it. Oh, okay. okay. And she has announced she's going to be taking, quote, an extended break before starting her next project because writing many, many bestsellers in a row, I think, is pretty stressful. Two weeks off. A solid weekend in the Poconos and then back to the typewriter. <laughs> Do it. Um, so because The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo is pretty twisty and I could not find a single interview with her that did not like totally spoil it. So heads up, Pechos. If you like want to read this book, don't read any interviews with her because, man, those interviewers are brutal about uh, spoiling the book. This is uh, an interview instead with her with USA Today. Uh, Susanna Hutchinson is the interviewer, and it's a more general interview about writing itself. She starts by saying, Bruce Willis is dead at the end of Sixth Sense. <laughs> yeah, that's, but that's how she starts all her interviews, even before she's famous. Uh, Susanna asks, what is your writing process? Taylor answers, um, when I'm working on my books, I'm very regimented. I start with my idea and I know how the story begins and the story ends, but what's in the middle, I don't know, which actually is a, a similarity to a, a certain author that we're also going to speak about on this podcast. Who could it be? Who could it be now? So for my first drafts, which can take anywhere from four weeks to eight weeks, oh. holy smokes, that's fast. That's really fast. 
list. Um, I write a certain amount of words per day, and that's what I have to get done. So if that takes me four hours and I happen to have a few hours free in the afternoon, then good for me. I'll try and catch up on books that I'm blurbing or something like that. But most of the time, it takes me a full day. Every single day, I'm waking up and I don't know what's happening in the story, and I'm sitting down and figuring it out Monday through Friday, 8 to 6. So, wow, that's how you publish, whatever, a book a year for many years. She continues, but then once the first draft is done, I'll do a second, third, fourth drafts in a similar manner. I'm going to get this many chapters done today and allot myself very strict deadlines that most of the time have absolutely no consequences if I break them. But I know that I've broken them, so I stick to them. Bailey, I thought you could identify with this. I was going to say, she's speaking my language. (laughs) Oh, you ready 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 for this? Uh My husband's sometimes like, well, that's a self-imposed deadline, right? Right? So yeah. you don't have to freak out about it. And I'm like, no, I'm very serious about this self-imposed deadline. <laughs> Look over there. <laughs> um, the interviewer asks, what are your go-to songs or podcasts? The to read list. Read list, yes. Um, she says, books, books, books. <laughs> when it comes to writing, I need dead silence. I so admire some authors that will be tweeting, oh, I've got my playlist ready for this book. I've been listening to this band the whole time I'm writing this book. I think that's super cool, and I wish I could do that. I can't do that. I need dead silence. But I will say, I listen to podcasts or listen to music when I'm not writing to help me gather the excitement for what I am writing. And here is a little dovetail to what Andrew mentioned earlier. There's this podcast called You Must Remember This by Karina Longworth. And I and I listened to that podcast so much before and as I was writing The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo because it's all about scandals and events from classic Hollywood. I listened to it so much as research and I'm still listening to it now. Nice. Highly recommend You Must Remember This. Only don't listen to it because it's not our podcast. And the, uh, the final question here, the interviewer asks, what's the best book you've read lately? Okay, guys, if I was to tell you that her answer is a book we've already covered on the to-read list, what would you guess? Daisy Jones and the Six. Is it, is it, a, rec- <laughs> is it a classic or a recent book? Uh, more recent, more recent. A modern mm. book. Children of Ash and Elm, A History of the Vikings. <laughs> would you guys believe it's Infinite Jet? No. No. Everyone knows your mother's a witch. No. Okay, you're all wrong and dumb. Um... <laughs> So uh, Taylor answers, yesterday I finished Circe by Madeline Miller. Mm. <laughs> what? She read the book. She read it. Sorry. I, okay. I should have guessed that. Should you have? <laughs> I thought you were giving it uh, to Circe. I was like, you liked Circe. I was giving um, it to myself you, because I was wrong. Uh, for, yeah. Yeah. It was an easy guess. Um, she says, I'm a diehard Madeline Miller fan. Her first book, The Song of Achilles, came out in 2011, and it's the book that I've been telling every single person in my life to read. I was crazy excited for her next one to come out, and I wasn't worried, but I was like, I love the first book so much. How could I love the second one as much? And boy, let me tell you, I finished Circe yesterday, and I made my husband listen to me talk talk for 45 minutes about how good the book was. So you heard it here, folks. TJR agrees with our estimation of Cersei. Uh, thus, friend of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. And that's a peek into TJR's life. That's what I got for you. Awesome. Woot, woot. Thank you for those facts, Toby. Um, mm, you're welcome. And that is The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Four stars. Andrew Massey and the four, four stars. stars. Andrew Massey and the four stars. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... I said four stars, and also that is the average of our three ratings. It is true. It's fair, fair. (laughs) It's true. Well, Bailey, why don't you defend yourself by talking about a book that you read this week, (laughs) if indeed you did? (laughs) Wow, there's a lot of 
combative energy right now. I did read a book this week. I'm not lying. It is the truth. I read uh, The Hotel New Hampshire by John Irving. Welcome to the Hotel New Hampshire. Bear. <laughs> we did it. Live free or it. die. <laughs> there you go. Um, I assume none of you have read this book. Have any of you read John Irving before? Uh, sorry, I DNF'd A Prayer for Owen Meany. Okay. I Andrew. read A Prayer for Owen Meany, and I read a lot of short stories because my junior year English teacher in high school was obsessed with John Irving. And Dylan is A Prayer for Owen Meany. <gasps> yeah, I think I read a short story thing from him. Well, Andrew, that makes sense because I started reading John Irving about my junior year of high school because we had the same English teacher. Well, we had to read Prayer for Owen Meany for school, and I really loved it. And so I started reading some of his books. Um, I haven't read Garp yet, The World According to Garp, and I want to. So this is on my shelf because in my high school days, um, I loved John Irving, and I knew this was one of his you know, most talked about books. So I wanted to check it out. It's kind of a weird idea, guys. It follows a hotel. Well, it follows a family that runs a hotel. Um the Barry family. Um, there's a married couple at the head, Mary and Wynne, and they have five children, Frank, Franny, John, Lily, and Egg. Mm. You might think Egg is a weird name. Well, that leads into one of the main themes of this book, which is that things are weird in this world. Um, so this family um, purchases this hotel. They don't have any experience running a hotel besides the fact that the parents met when they were working at a hotel in Maine as like, you know, support staff. Um, and mm. while they were there, they came across a man who, because he was German, went by Freud and he had a bear named State Omain, and they purchased the bear from him. They used the bear to make money. It, you can get the idea of sort of the like whimsy it's not a live of the book. Bear. A live bear, Is yes. It? A live bear. Oh. A trained bear that could ride in a motorcycle um, named State Omain. I thought you were going to say, you get how this goes. Like, I don't how get how this goes. <laughs> yeah. I... <laughs> so then they buy this hotel, they set it up. They don't have a lot of experience, but they do have a bear. I mean, from my experience with running hotels, having a bear is like 80% of the job. Well, I will clarify, at that point, sadly, the bear has um, is dead. Oh. But they do have a taxidermy dog. The dog was named Sorrow. And that sort of they have follows... have a taxidermy dog? Taxidermied dog. Oh, okay. That's why there's a dog on the cover <laughs> of my book. They then go from there to another hotel in Vienna, which is called the Second Hotel New Hampshire. The name of the hotel is the Hotel New Hampshire. Um, and then they come back to the States for the Third Hotel New Hampshire. But when they're in Vienna, they come across not a real bear, but a woman dressed as a bear. Um, her name is Susie, and she feels most confident when she's dressed as a bear. And she is a big character. So all this to say, this is very much like... What is all this to say? Like a Wes Anderson type world, like a Royal Tenenbaums, but just like a little mm. less whimsical and a lot more like sex comedy. So you would call it like the Grand Bear to Pest Hotel? Yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. So, you know, an elf is clearly, um, John Irving has a lot of creativity. He has a lot of ideas that sometimes work and sometimes feel bizarre, sometimes feel a little demented. But you know what? This is his world. Another elf is that because he has so much creativity, he's really good at constructing characters. So I'm going to give you a sense of his writing so you can hear. I hope it's the bear. 
It's not the bear, sorry. This is um, the mother, Mary, who is describing what her future husband looked like when they met. He looked as if he already went to Harvard, whatever that must have meant to my mother then. Oh, I don't know what it meant, she told us children. Kind of cultured, I guess. He looked like a boy who knew how to drink without getting sick. He had the darkest, brightest eyes, and whenever you looked at him, you were sure he'd just been looking at you, but you could never catch him. My father maintained that latter ability all his life. We felt around him always the sense that he'd been observing us closely and affectionately. Even if when we looked at him, he seemed to be looking elsewhere, dreaming or making plans, thinking of something hard or far away. Even when he was quite blind to our schemes and lives, he seemed to be observing us. It was a strange combination of aloofness and warmth, and the first time my mother felt it was on that tongue of bright green lawn that was framed by the gray main seat. Mm, lovely. He's able to give you a really specific detail that you wouldn't necessarily have named before, but as soon as he says it, you're like, oh, okay, I understand what kind of person we're talking about here. And that's something that I liked from his other books as well. Where it lost me, and we're moving into our orcs here. Going to Mordor. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mentioned that, you know, this is in many ways a sex comedy. Sex is a really big theme here where the main protagonist is the third child, John, and a lot of it is his coming of age, like sexually, specifically his interactions with a sex worker and his obsession with his own sister, Franny. So uh, there's a lot of themes of silly romps, you know, in the hotel, getting caught with your pants down, also sleeping with your sister. Uh, John Irving brings up some of the themes that he has in other books, like um, obsession with athletics, New England. Like I said, it takes place mostly in New Hampshire and Maine. Um, And also dwarfism, which I don't really understand why I'm curious if he has a connection to it because there are characters in his other books that are little people. And here, one of the characters is a little person. And the book feels dated. There's a lot of slurs, homophobic aspects that don't ring true to today. But the biggest thing was it lost me in the middle. The The whole parts in Vienna just felt unnecessary to me. They just bordered on ridiculous with Susie as the bear. And there becomes this lot of anti-terrorism in Vienna and like stopping a bomb. It just feels out of a different book. And it just feels like John Irving is like, I don't know where I'm going to write today. We're going to take him to Vienna. But I liked the beginning and the end. So, you know, maybe that has to do with how he wrote the book. I don't know. All this to say, I am glad I read this book. There were really fun parts to it. There were not so fun parts to it. But it's a solid three stars. And it does not turn me off of reading John Irving in the future. I will give some of his other books a try. But this one, meh. Very good review, Bailey. Can I say I have never, ever been more confused by a book than by (laughs) the description of this book. I have no clue what's going on here. It's like reading a recipe and seeing like add, um, you know, your sugar, you're baking a cake, add your sugar, your flour, and then add a stuffed lobster. Take a Thomas the Tank Engine toy and put it in the batter. (laughs) Exactly. That's what it feels like because you're following like, oh, how did you meet dad? How'd you meet mom? And they're like, da, 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 da. And then we bought a bear. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Um, Yeah. The book is just about a weird family doing weird things. Uh, Toby, I'm curious, what did you learn about uh, Mr. John Irving? Monsieur Irving? I'll tell you. First of all, he's still alive, um, which surprised me. I think I thought he was writing books a, a lot longer ago than he was. I thought he was like a turn of the century author, but I suppose not. 
Yeah, so Pedro, just to pull the curtain back, Toby texted us shocked that this man was still alive. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was he was much more vintage than he is. Anyway, I'll tell you, uh, John Winslow Irving, born John Wallace Blunt Jr., uh, he was born on March 2nd, 1942. He is an American-Canadian novelist, short story writer, and screenwriter. Um, he's a very successful man. He's written many books that you have heard of, probably because you're listening to this podcast. Uh, Bailey has mentioned The World According to Garp in 1978. The Hotel New Hampshire, heard of it. The Cider House Rules, heard of it. Uh, a Prayer for Owen Meany, A Widow for One Year. Those are all bestsellers. He won the Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay at the 72nd Academy Awards in 1999 for his script of The Cider House Rules starring a young Tobey Maguire. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. <laughs> Michael Caine. <laughs> uh, so a total of five of his books have been adapted into films. That's The World According to Garp, The Hotel New Hampshire, Prayer for Owen Meany, uh, The Cider House Rules, and A Widow for One Year. So... Yeah, Hollywood loves him. The movie is wacky, you guys. I watched... It's on YouTube for free. I watched it. Wow. If you wanted your money back. Like Andrew said, it represents everything in the book, but when you're watching it, you're like, this makes no sense. Makes uh. sense. All right. In case you're looking for that Prayer for Owen Meany adaptation, I think they changed the title to Simon Birch because it yes. became so different than the source material. Oh. Um, he was the son of Helen Francis and John Wallace Blunt Sr., who was a writer and executive recruiter, um, but his parents separated during the pregnancy. Instead, he grew up with his stepfather, Colin Franklin Newell Irving, who was a Phillips Exeter Academy faculty member. Eventually, John Irving attended that school. He was in the wrestling program as a student athlete and as an assistant coach, and wrestling features prominently in his book, stories, and his life. Yes, um, John does wear a singlet at one point in this book, but also there is a character, which is John's grandfather, who teaches physical education at an Exeter-like school, mm. um, and John attends the school. So, I mean, life imitates art. I suppose. Um, his biological father, he never met him, um, but he had been a pilot in the Army Air Force, and during World War II, he was shot down over Burma in 1943, but he survived. Uh, this incident he incorporated into his book, The Cider House Rules. Um, and interestingly enough, uh, John Irving did not find out about this story until 1981, when he was almost 40 years old. His career began early at the age of 26 with the publication of his first novel, Setting Free the Bears. Early theme. Bears. <laughs> early bears, theme. bears. <laughs> yes, bears, bears. Um, in the late 1960s, he studied with Kurt Vonnegut. Heard of him? At the University of Iowa Writers Workshop. Um, he published two more novels. The Water Method Man and the 158-pound marriage during the 70s. Um, they were somewhat well-received, but they did not get him very much success. He thought that his first publisher, Random House, was not giving his books enough bump in the uh, public eye. So instead, he switched to the publisher Dutton and published The World According to Garp in 1978. It was a huge international bestseller, cultural phenomenon. It was a finalist for the National Book Award for Fiction. And yeah... In your face, Random House, I suppose, is what he would say. Or that book was better than the other two books. Yeah. Just, you know, arguing, you know, for Random House a little bit. Bailey is a big Random House stan. We all know this. <laughs> Garp, of course, was made into a film directed by George Roy Hill and starring Robin Williams. Have you guys seen that? And Glenn no. Close as his mom. I haven't seen it. I just know that fact. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
uh, Garp transformed him from an obscure academic literary writer to a household name, and almost all of his subsequent books were bestsellers. The next book after Garp was The Hotel New Hampshire, um, and here it says, it sold well despite mixed reviews from critics. Did they have some questions about bears? Because I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this one was also made quickly into a film directed by Tony Richardson and starring Jodie Foster, Rob Lowe, and Bo Bridges. So, And Seth Green plays Egg when Seth Green was a little kid. Oh, wow. That kid's been acting forever. Uh, the one next one after that in 1985 is The Cider House Rules. It's an epic set in a main orphanage. Yeah, it drew many readers have drawn parallels between the novel and Charles Dickens' Oliver Twist. Uh, the next one after that was A Prayer for Owen Meany, which was another New England family epic about religion. Um, and in Owen Meany, Irving uh, explores for the first time the consequences of the Vietnam War, particularly mandatory conscription, which he actually avoided because he was a married father uh, when of age for the draft. He has since continued to write and publish books, be a public figure. But I want to talk about an interesting aspect of his writing process to end us off here. Tell us. <laughs> Thanks, Bailey. <laughs> I will tell you. Um, he's talked about it in multiple areas, but he discussed it with NPR in 2012. Um, he says, quote, people have commented, sometimes with irritation, sometimes nicely, on the amount of foreshadowing that there is in my novels. Well, yeah, it's not that hard to foreshadow what's coming when you know what's coming. I write endings first. I write last sentences, sometimes last paragraphs first. I know where I'm going. I write collision course stories. Interesting. Yeah, but maybe it's like a writing prompt where it's like, well, I have to get here. So how can I get here? Maybe I have to force my way through Vienna. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, he also said again to NPR in 2015, I always know where it's going. I'm writing toward a sentence, usually to much more than a sentence, to many paragraphs, close to a last chapter. It's like a piece of music that you're writing towards. This is how it sounds when I get to the end, because I wouldn't know how I'm supposed to sound at the beginning unless I knew how I was going to sound when I got there. So... That's John Irving's writing process, and that's a little smidgen of his life. I think we have more on the to-read list, so we might hear more about him in the future. I um, can very much tell the part that he wrote first <laughs> at the end. <laughs> anyway, thank you for those facts, Toby. And, You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> the Hotel New Hampshire by John Irving, three stars. Three stars. stars. Tres estrellas. Um, Andrew, mm. do you have a f you know any games about, like, um, stuffed dogs or bears or... No, I focus on the book I read for this game. <laughs> but I do have <laughs> <Yes>. a game. <laughs> I didn't look up what your book was about. Come on. No, but I do have a game and it is called My Life, My Story, Remember Me. Ooh. Oh. I'm ready to play. I'll remember you. The central conceit of uh, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo is that a memoir or a biography is being written of that character. So what I have for you today, and full credit to Jillian for coming up with this game, she just suggested it this morning, and I was like, heck yeah, you saved me uh, having to prep a game. <laughs> I'm going to read you um, the title of memoirs of famous people um, that are not my life, my story, that sort of thing. Uh, and you're going to guess who wrote them. You can mm -hmm. buzz in by saying, remember me. But if you get it wrong, the other person will have a chance to guess because I don't know that there's like a 100% chance everybody's going to get these correct. There are half mm. points available. And the way you get a half point is if neither of you get it correct, uh, decide who is spiritually closer to the person <laughs> that actually wrote it and give a half point for that answer because I want there to be points on the board at the end of this. I love Got it. it. All right. So let's start with an easy. Born a crime. 
Remember me. Oh, remember me. Bailey was in there first. Trevor Noah. That is correct. <sighs> Great book. That is book. the easiest one. <laughs> that is a good book. Excellent five-star book. I have not read that. Maybe I'll check it out. It's great. Um, and Andrew's done with it. <laughs> oh, I finished it. Yeah. Uh, 50 books so far. Acid for the children. Um, uh, remember me. Toby? Flea. That is correct. Well done. Whoa. I've heard of that one. I yeah. have not. Maybe, maybe you feel more freaky than you would know that one. I guess so. <laughs> Sorry, Flea. Girl in a band. Uh, remember uh, me. Remember me. Oh. I think Bailey started first. I'm going to guess, um, this is a guess, Stevie Nicks? Uh, that is incorrect. Toby, do you have an answer? Yeah, this is also a guess. Meg White. Ooh. Famously quiet. Mm. I guarantee mm. you that's not right. No, it's not right. The correct answer is Kim Gordon of Sonic Youth. Mm. And I'm going to go ahead and say Toby is closer. Yeah. Than yeah. 100% yeah. Toby is closer. Yeah. That's fair. Half point to Toby. Toby is leading one and a half points to one, but it is all still to play for. But you know what, guys? It's not about the bike. Remember me. Bailey? Oh, that was the title. Lance Armstrong. <laughs> that is correct, Bailey. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> you got to be on your toes, Toby. Sorry. This is, this is what forces me into cheating. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, two points to one and a half, but the game, again, is still very close. Um, open. Open. Remember me. Open? Just the, just the word open? Yes. Remember me. Bailey? Andre Agassi. Dang. Yes, that's correct. Andre Agassi. What? Wow. <laughs> I was 90% sure what neither of you were title. getting that one. Well, the U.S. Open. Well, it's okay. like a tennis yeah. thing. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was not expecting anyone to get that one correct. You guys are impressing me. Uh, the beautiful ones. Uh, remember me. Toby? Cindy Crawford. No. <laughs> Bailey? Um, Gertrude Stein. <laughs> uh, the correct answer was uh, Minnesota's own Prince. Oh. And I would say that Cindy Crawford okay. is closer to Prince than Gertrude Stein. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. So, uh, Toby, you've brought it back within one. It is three points to Bailey, two to Toby. Three left. I'm, I think these are all gettable, but I'm curious to see what you do. The Princess Diarist. Remember me. Bailey. Oh, shoot. Carrie Fisher. That is correct. <laughs> All right. So if Bailey gets one more, uh, she's guaranteed to win. Let's see. Not my father's son. Remember me. Gah, Bailey. <laughs> Come on. It's Alan Cumming. It is Alan Cumming. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> How do you know all of yeah, these biographies? I, just, I was so sure this game was going to be just like, no one knows any of the answers. Well, I, <laughs> not my father's son, I was actually just reading the audiobook of. But because one of my favorite <laughs> things is to read audiobooks, um, celebrity memoirs that are read by the celebrities. But oh, also, I didn't know, you know, okay. I just. Toby, I apologize. I, just I didn't know, know this about Bailey. Well, then, yeah. <laughs> You have a healthy, healthy <laughs> advantage at this game. Uh, well, let's do the last one just for fun. Bailey has won the game, but let's see what happens okay. with one more thrown in. Hunger makes me a modern girl. Oh, I know this one. I forgot. Oh, oh, me, me. Remember me. Carrie Brownstone. That's correct. Bailey stomping oh on gosh. Toby's poor, poor little heart. But that is correct. It was a close game to start, but Bailey did pull away, winning six to two. Congratulations. 
with her secret passion for biographies. <laughs> you only played the long game on Memoir. us, Toby, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But congratulations, Bailey. Uh, I hope you had fun with that, playing My Life, My Story, Remember Me. I had a great time. Yeah, that was a good game. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you for that game, Andrew. And now, Dylan, it's your turn. Dylan, remember me? Remember you? Dylan, it's time for you to choose books at random for us to read next. It's time for The Choosening. The Choosening. The Choosening. I mean, I don't want to really spoil this, though, because next time we're going to record in like two weeks and everything, and a lot of violence and stuff is going to happen. I just don't sure if I want to tell Andrew what? how number 86, This Is How You Lose the Time oh. War by Amal El Motar oh. and Max Gladstone. Dylan. Ooh, you just got this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I'm really excited about this book being chosen. That was one of the weirdest introductions we've ever had to one of these, and that's a, it's a hard list to grab, man. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm really excited. I like This it. is a very recent pickup for me, and it's very big on book talk, so we actually are sort of on the pulse of things, you know. Do you not want me to tell you how you lose the time war? <laughs> well, this is how you do the time war again. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I'm intrigued, too. I think I might try and read this one with you, Andrew. Nice. All right, what are you going to do to Bailey? What about me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we are traveling a lot over these July and through August months uh-huh. with your daughters, but I just want to make sure that you don't forget about your number 10, Your Summer Sons by Lee Mondello. Ooh. Ah, to be clear, it's just Summer Sons, not Your Summer Sons. Yes, it's just called Summer Sons. But, but please don't forget about Your Summer Sons. I was going to try to do sons. sons of Summer songs, but then I forgot all the lyrics to Boys of Summer all of a sudden. I was like, oh no, my brain fart. That's fine. I'm excited about yeah. this one. This, I mean, this is a horror book. I think it takes place in the oh. South. I think it might have a gay protagonist. I don't. No, but I just remember being excited when I found it in the Little Fear Library. Um, and it takes place in the summer. Perfect. Oh, there you go. Yay. Summer mm. read. All right. So that means in two weeks on the podcast, I will be reading Summer Suns by Lee Mandelo. And Toby is reading Wise Blood by Flannery O'Connor. Mm. About South themed. Yeah. I was going to say, interesting combo there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Thanks for listening to the To Read List. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email the To Read List podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Goodreads, Instagram, and the Storygraph at the To Read List podcast. And a great way to help us find new listeners if you're interested is while we cannot offer you seven stars to rate us, you could use at least five of your husband's names to rate us five <laughs> stars. Apple Podcasts, uh, leaving a review is also very helpful. So you could, you know, review each of your husbands there. Um, but a five star rating and review uh, would help us out and we'd really appreciate it. Yeah. And I was trying to come up with like a joke about friends and tie it to the Hotel New Hampshire, but that book is so bizarre. It was just confusing me to think about. So tell your friends about this podcast. Uh, it really helps spread, you know, word of mouth is the greatest advertisement. And we appreciate it when you tell people in your life about this podcast. <laughs> thanks. Or any bears, you know. Yeah. Um, thanks to Toby and Andrew for co-hosting the podcast with me, to Dylan for sound recording, and to Miss Jillian Beth Turkey for composing our intro song. See you in two weeks. Happy reading. Books, 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 books. books, books. books.